Utah's best sports radio is on the Zone Sports Network. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... And it's time to kick off Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a big show. Is everybody ready? Monday, Monday. Just another manic Monday. Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. Happy Monday, 97.5 in twelve eighty. The Zone. Jake Scott broadcasting from Studio One here at our Zone Sports Network Carrier Studios at Vivint Smart Home Arena. Across the across <laughs> the glass from me is Austin Horton producing today, and joining us safely, social distancing from Casa de Monson, the one, the only, the returned. Gordon Monson. Gordon, hello. Hello, Jake. How are you today? I'm ter- I'm terrific, man. It's it's Monday. I had a, a wonderful weekend with my family. I'm feeling great. You're back on the show. Everything is is coming up me today, buddy. How are you? I am doing much better. Thank you very much. I don't know whether you talked about it on the air, what happened to me, but I... We uh, did have... not. I thought I, we would kind of leave that for you <laughs> once you, you returned, so we did not bring it up. You know, HIPAA so, and all that. All that, <laughs> all those good laws and such, yeah. He said I was safely social distancing. <laughs> I don't know how safely I was doing that, but uh, I had a bit of a bike wreck. And, uh, yeah, I got uh, banged up pretty good. I'm a big baby, I guess, but uh, yeah, I'm still recovering from it, but uh, doing much better. So thanks for holding things down while I was uh, recuperating. Well, at least it's a cool story. You were out on a really nice Harley, right? Uh, and I... No, no, it was, uh, it was just an e-bike. Oh. Uh, but, uh, and uh, <laughs> my wife always tells me not to go too fast, and I would say I won't, I won't go too fast, and I went fast over one last little stretch of road making a right hand turn onto my road and the tire caught a groove in the street and i went flying head over heels over the uh, handlebars and ended up in a heap on the street and thanks to the uh i i don't really i remember leaving uh my (laughs) my position on the bike but the next thing I I don't remember anything between then and when I was in the hot in the uh, in the ambulance being taken to the hospital. So anyway, I I am recovering and uh, am uh, trying to uh, breathe <laughs> without it hurting. So try not to make me laugh too much today. All right, fellas. Cause... <laughs> all right. So no laughing for Gordon. So just. <laughs> Just uh, anger uh, already, directed uh, at your already, way. Already laughing, but actually it's probably good for me to laugh. But anyway, that's what happens when you get old and you get uh, crotchety and you're a big baby. You uh, you hurt a little more. Okay, so. okay. Well, let me let me stick up for you for just just one second. And I, I won't get into the, the specifics, you know, HIPAA laws and all that good stuff again. Uh, <laughs> but you beat yourself up pretty good. So t- take it easy on yourself because I think the fact that you're back with us uh, on this Monday is uh, proves you're no baby, sir. So you, well, you you've been through an ordeal. So give yourself a little bit of a break. At least I've got an excuse. Usually, when I say stupid things, people say, "Man, that guy's an idiot" or whatever. At least now I've got a bit of an excuse. I might be a little dizzy, but uh, so I've got that going for me, which is uh, which is nice. All right. Speaking we, of that, which is nice, I watched Caddyshack the other night as I was trying to recuperate. Wait, 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 though. For the, the original, right? We're not talking the sequel. The, We're talking no, about the original. Okay. The original, and I hadn't seen it in a long, long time. And it did make me chuckle, and I knew so many of the uh, lines from the movie, but, boy, that 
that that show has uh, has not held up well through the years. I don't think it uh, was rather dated. But uh, but anyway. Oh, I I'm still str- I still love that show. What do you mean yeah, dated? I, I do. I like it. it was, but it was just uh, I don't know. It 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 wasn't as I didn't I wasn't as entertained as maybe it's because I've seen it fifteen times. But anyway, I'm starting to think that some of those old movies that I watched many many years ago that I thought were so good. When I watch them now, I, I'm not as convinced as I once was. But I don't know. Maybe. I've I've never thought Caddyshack was as good as everyone said it was. Really? Yeah. I I love and enjoy it every time I've seen it. It's just it's just that you can't. I mean, for so many years, for three or four decades, and I guess it's the 40th anniversary of it. But you you couldn't play around the golf without somebody quoting that movie. Now something from that movie would be quoted somewhere along in your round. So it, it it did have an impact from that standpoint. But uh, anyway, uh, I did watch it. And uh, I watched a couple of old movies during my rehab, my recuperation period. I watched Grease. And Grease wasn't quite as good as I thought it was either. Maybe maybe it's just my mindset <laughs> right now. I don't know. Yeah, maybe you're just not viewing this these classic pieces of cinema through the proper you know, lens here. That's saving Private Ryan's way too long. Yeah, yeah that Shawshank Redemption was really no good. Uh, but uh, I did watch another thing I watched. Uh, maybe some of our listeners checked it out. And Austin, I thought you brought it up, but I, I hadn't seen it until recently was the uh the lance armstrong piece i guess it's a 30 for 30 right it's two part did you guys watch that i did not no no i did and uh boy that's that's some pretty interesting stuff um he is a uh it it takes a certain kind of individual uh regardless of whether you're you're uh you're you're taking uh performance enhancing uh, elements to the whole thing or not to 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 do what those guys do and uh, i i really walked away from that going yep yeah yeah lance uh he lied about it for a long long time and he cheated but i also walked away feeling like everybody cheated you know and uh that neither one of those is particularly comforting nope that no that it's it's not i never bought that excuse though well everybody was doing it and it bugged well, it, me that he said he wasn't for so long. Yeah, that, and that was the problem. I mean, and he was he was hurting other people's lives. But it was interesting when he was faced with those facts in that interview, in those interview series of interviews. He uh, he he uh, humble is not the word, uh, but but uh, did not shy away from saying that he was a freaking liar. He he actually said he would have said almost anything in order to preserve his standing. So I don't know that that, that was an interesting. It, it, this is interesting what people are willing to do, and sometimes when you it is called upon to train like crazy to be the best in the world or to be so good at something to be a champion, uh, the lengths to which people will go to get it done. And uh, on the one side, it's a it's a good thing. It's something that can work to the benefit of becoming a champion. But sometimes it reaches levels where you just you are you just like you said you're willing to do and say and lie and cheat and do whatever it takes to get it done. And so that was that was pretty powerful stuff. I, I it made me think a lot about becoming the best you can be, becoming a champion, what it takes, what the price is to do that, what the cost is, and whether it's worth it or not. And I guess we can probably ask that question in all kinds of sports that we cover and that we have observed through the years. Uh, Interesting. Or even real life. I mean, for example, my my wife came home from Costco the other day with a three-pack of Costco wipes, three-pack of uh, Clorox wipes. The big things, you know what I'm talking about? And I said, uh-huh. what did you have to do to get those? And she said, you don't want to know. 
<laughs> so I'm assuming she stabbed somebody with her car key, but I don't. I'm I'm not really sure. She just said yeah. simply, "You don't want to know." You tell me that you've got that at your house, and I'm doing calculations in my head. Are the Jake Scott family home right now? Right. Yeah. Who can I call to go break into his home? I know. Does he she, have a big dog? She, I can't remember. She came home with a three pack of these things, these Clorox wipes, which I I have some that I keep in my backpack, and and yeah, I said, "Geez." Were you, was it just good timing, or, or what happened? And she says, you don't want to know. What happens at Costco stays yeah. at Costco. So you don't well, want to know. I said, okay. I, I mean, whatever it takes, right? Apparently the Miami Marlins could have used those uh, those well, uh, wipes to stay a little healthier. Speaking of Miami, mm-hmm. that's the same state as Orlando. It is. Which we will have a jazz scrimmage coming up. In fact, uh, the jazz scrimmage starts at three thirty. Yes. What? You know, they also played Miami on Saturday. <laughs> they did. But you know, if you want to go to they're oh, in the same oh, state that. as Orlando, I don't. And, and, and remind remind me <laughs> of something, will you? I will. How far is it from Orlando to uh, the Magic City Club in Atlanta? I don't know. Wait, Chester, Chester wants to know. I'm sure Chester does. <laughs> you know, because there comes a time, you know, when when you're when you're in mourning, when you've got to go to uh, to a gentleman's club to uh, get some good eating, Here's- and uh, apparently that's what uh, Mr. Williams was doing. Uh, if you haven't heard that story, he is. He's currently in uh, quarantine now because he made a stopover at uh, the Magic City uh, Gentlemen's Club. Can, can I ask a dumb question? And maybe I haven't seen something. How did they find out he uh, stopped uh, to get some He wings? was in there with uh, some rapper. What's his name? I can't remember. Austin, maybe you know his name. Uh, no. Uh, uh, anyway, he was in there with a rapper, and I think the rapper put out some photos. Yep. <laughs> is that really how? And, and then is that really what happened? On Instagram. So and this so, is a case of dumb social media? Yes, because wow. then Lou Williams got a hold of said rapper said, what are you doing? <laughs> and so then the rapper sent out another post <laughs> after it? deleting it. said, no, this was from a while ago. I was just missing Lou Williams and remembering times with him. Is that what happened? How did I miss this part? So then the NBA said, hmm, let's get our... <laughs> let's look into that. Let's get our, uh, our uh, squad down there to see. Wow. Now, I'm not sure where it is, you know, in that 113-page... Uh, document that they uh, said that if you were going to go outside the bubble uh, that you would have to uh, quarantine afterwards from anywhere from four to 14 days or something like that. I don't know whether there was specific language in there about gentlemen's clubs, but uh, everyone's wondering how long he's going to be forced to sit out and quarantine. But, you know, to his credit, he said he was not there to party he was there simply because the food is really good uh kind of like the whole idea about the whole reason everybody used to uh subscribe to playboy was because the articles were so good but he said he was there for the food not for entertainment. well he's gonna miss two games he's got a two-game suspension on top of that i believe he's gonna be quarantined for uh for 10 days so the punishment is fairly punitive however i will say this i did see johnny manzel backing him up that the wings were really good <laughs> i i've i've heard multiple well. i've i've seen on twitter multiple people say that uh that the wings are are pretty much incredible and if johnny football is backing you up then you've done something right if, if there was an authority on food in in a, in gentlemen's clubs oh that may be let's yeah. be honest yeah and, and gordon who are you to judge how lou williams grieves huh you know, it's true maybe he just needed a good meal you know he needed he needed some wings and he needed the the right things to dip it in and uh, he needed some maybe good refreshment. And, uh, yeah, because people uh, do mourn in different ways. So, Correct. Uh, Get his he, mind off it. He, some good food and maybe some entertainment. He was just, maybe he was just mixed up. Because, you know, the bubble is in Orlando. And isn't the Orlando, I mean, isn't that the magic city? Oh, that because the it, magic li- uh, play in Orlando, yeah. Yeah, and it's the magic city, the Disney thing and all that. Mad, isn't that Magic uh, Kingdom? Well, you know, whatever. And as Jake pointed out, it's the same state as Miami. So, which basketball is going to be played? 
So, so maybe you just got confused momentarily <laughs> there. But uh, I, I don't know what it is about the uh, gentlemen's clubs in uh, in Atlanta, but it sure seems to be quite the draw for a lot of NBA players who spend some time there. Hmm. Okay. Well, good for the food. Yelp, Yelp's, Yelp's four or five on that. If, you, if you're I, you know what I laughed about that though is doesn't matter really. Whether he was, he was there, there for the yeah. entertainment or for the food, doesn't matter. Well, no, other than be... we're getting a nice chuckle out of, uh, and I kind of want to next time in Atlanta try the wings. Other than that, is this a marketing <laughs> of campaign? Of course you do. <laughs> this is kind of like diners, uh, <laughs> drives, or whatever that thing that that show the Kalaki would like so much is like. What restaurant <laughs> are NBA players willing to break the bubble do for? You know the name of that show? Diners. The, the shorthand for it. Diners, drive-ins, and dives? Yeah, what? People call it Triple D. Oh. No, I didn't know that, actually. I had no idea. I know a couple of restaurants around here have been featured on it or whatever, and isn't it great marketing for them? Sure. Like, that's pretty amazing. That's a pretty amazing endorsement of the chicken wings at Magic City. Not sure Magic City needs to be featured on Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. If the wings are that good? They are. I want to try them. You do, but they're not. But a lot of people have been speaking up saying that the food there really is good. Uh, and, and, and Lou, for whatever reason, he really wanted to make that clear. <laughs> that he wasn't there for, uh, you know, whatever sights might be seen. He was blindfolded, Jake. He, he was really there. Don't need your eyes to eat, Gordon. Some good cuisine. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and was, I don't know. Which stage was cuisine dancing on that night? Huh? Oh, <laughs> Oh, that, that hurts. Wow. Stop it down. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, Lou Williams, yeah. I mean, that's that's a, that's a an expensive chicken wing. I mean, suspended two games. Like, that's going to cost him some dough. And now he's going to yeah, have to sit in his room for 10 days. And so, I guess I guess he would say when you got a powerful appetite. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. But again, let's not pretend this is about safety. This is then definitely punitive action by the NBA. It's a deterrent. And maybe it's required. Because you think you could pass on the chicken wings for a couple of months? To your point there, Gordon. Well, it's right there in the this is right there in the guidelines uh, that uh, they handed out to everybody. I wasn't it wasn't it in general? It was between four and fourteen days quarantine. Did they come down with a solid number now? Is it ten? Yes, they've announced a ten day okay. quarantine. All right, uh, and that I think carries over the first two games for the Clippers. So. And real quick, well, uh, just I just... think you, you could say that they were. You know, showing some charity. Uh, by the way, just a just a quick because uh, we want to be accurate here. Um, cities that go by the nickname Magic City, mm-hmm. Orlando is one, but Not so is one. so is Miami, so is Minot, North Dakota, <laughs> so is uh, Moberly, Missouri, Muncie, Indiana, Roanoke, Virginia, South Omaha, Nebraska. Not Omaha, Nebraska. That's not the Magic City. South Omaha. South Omaha. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, let's see. Billings, Montana. That's probably the closest Magic City. You sure no, these no, aren't no, no. just locations of Magic City? Che- Cheyenne, Wyoming. Also <laughs> the nickname Magic City. Also what? Florence, what? South Carolina. Endicott, New York. What? I mean, what's so magical about those places? I don't, I don't know. I I've been to Cheyenne, and there's not a. it's not exactly Harry Potter world. I... <laughs> Why would you? What gives them? Who is Houdini from one of those cities? I don't know, buddy. Oh man, and, and Houdini wasn't a magician, wasn't he? An escape artist? Yeah. Oh. Put some respect on it. What about that uh, Copperfield fella? Maybe he's from Billings, that Montana. Hack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't, couldn't even come up with his own Roy? name. Didn't uh, didn't Roy recently pass away, or was it Siegfried? I don't know if Siegfried's a person, but I have not. I, I think it might have been Roy, but I'm not sure. I think one of them did well, pass. Though. Recently passed. But uh, are you guys into magic shows? Negative. I like wings. <laughs> Go for some good chicken wings. You never know where you, when you're going to find good food. Africadabra. Anyway, I do want to see the TV show restaurants that NBA players were willing to break the bubble for. I bet the you know, cuisine, I bet the cuisine is incredible. You you are so right. You were so right, Jake, when you said before this bubble even happened 
that this should be a reality show because it I mean, should. This, this is the kind of thing that would have been perfect for that. It, it right? would have been incredible. I mean, think about it. He goes to a funeral for a friend. I think it was his grandfather, unfortunately. And, oh, was it? A, was it his relative? Yeah, a, a loved one. Okay, and he go, and so he go attends the funeral, and then goes straight forth to uh, to a gentleman's club afterwards. Yeah, he did. It should be on TV. I agree. The whole thing, the whole experience, doubles, ping pong, and all. That brings a whole new meaning to the uh, to the words uh, "funeral potatoes," doesn't it? I I'm not connecting the dots on that one, but I'm I'm sure that's hilarious. Welcome back. <laughs> All right. Hey, we're up against it a little bit here. Let's, let's do a deep dive into the Jazz coming up next. They've had two scrimmages under their belt. They've got one today that's starting at 3.30. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. pick and roll for Conley. This time he goes behind the three-point line, fires, and it rolls around and in. Mike Conley is having quite a quarter. He was dominant in the third quarter the other night against Phoenix, and he is again. He's got 15 points and all but three of them in the quarter. Top to Olenek, who has 14 points. He'll take a three over Bradley. It'll swirl out, and Clarkson will rebound and go with the white headband and the high socks. Underhand scoop to Moutier. Attacking from the left side. Reverse layup up and in for Emmanuel Moutier. 75-63, Jazz by 12. On eight, three ball for the lead in the secure the win is an air ball. Push ahead by Miami. Left side hill for the three and the win and it's short and Utah will win scrimmage number two. 101-99. Miami nicely bypassed a wide open layup that would have forced overtime to kick it out to Solomon Hill for three and we get to uh, end this one instead of playing an extra five minutes or I wonder I wonder if we would have had a tie. I have no idea what the rules are. If they had tied the game. I almost think we might have had a tie. Monday, 3.30 against Brooklyn, then Thursday, it all counts. All right, big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. About an hour from right now, we'll be tipping off scrimmage number three, the Utah Jazz and the Brooklyn Nets. You'll hear all that action with David Locke on the call right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And, uh, Gordon, we're going to be talking all jazz basketball from uh, here until tip-off. We'll kind of treat it as a little bit of a pregame. The official pre-half and post-game coverage does not get started uh, until game one against Oklahoma City. But let's talk a little bit about what we saw over the weekend scrimmage number one against the phoenix suns the jazz lost 101 to 88 scrimmage number two the jazz beat the heat 101 to 99 however gordon i i don't think the score uh really matters i thought game one uh was it was a little bit rough offensively certainly defensively it was all a little bit rough i thought scrimmage two once they got their feet under them and had that that time actually back competing against somebody else i thought uh, uh scrimmage two was was a Big time improvement over scrimmage one on a number of different levels. But your thoughts uh, on the Jazz first two kind of organized events leading back up to this thing? Yeah, I agree with you completely. That first scrimmage was a mess. Uh, It was very sloppy, especially defensively, in my opinion. Uh, Could not really coordinate very well. And uh, the second scrimmage, uh, much better. And I thought it was interesting to see how Donovan Mitchell was uh, trying to look for his teammates in that second scrimmage. Uh, He was efficient shooting the ball in the first scrimmage. Uh, In the second one, he seemed to be – he had those nice lob passes to to Rudy Gobert. And uh, it just – that that stood out to me. And just that uh, Mike Conley, I think, wants to be aggressive. He knows that – He's had his time now. He's had his time to process what the Jazz do. The, what they're going to do offensively is a little different than what they were doing previously with Boyan Bogdanovich there, and he knows he's going to be counted upon to play a larger role, and I think that's firmly in his mind. You know, Gordon, it's it's interesting that all our minds are kind of alike. Last week, uh, Austin and I talked about uh, the big storylines leading into these scrimmages. And the two biggest ones, we disagreed on a little, uh, little bit on which one was bigger than the other, but the two big storylines that we were going, going to watch were the on-court chemistry 
with Rudy and Donovan and then Mike Conley and the adjustments that he's made. And I thought, you know, let's throw out game one for a second. Game two, we saw three lobs from Donovan to to Rudy. We saw Rudy Gobert play really well, and we saw Mike Conley be more aggressive. And and uh, one of the, the comments from Quinn Snyder really stood out to me that he said, uh, maybe we're going to have to be more of a dribble, shoot, three-point team as opposed to a catch-and-shoot three-point team. Yeah. And I, I thought that that, uh, that was very, very interesting because that does play into more of Mike Conley's strength as opposed to having him directly fill, fill in for Bogdanovich from a production standpoint. Well, run some more stuff that's complementary to him and hopefully you don't take away from Donovan. But Joe Ingles can shoot off the bounce too. So, you know, you leave George Niang and Royce O'Neal kind of your more catch-and-shoot type of guys, but maybe we see that offense be a little bit different and certainly we've seen it in that scrimmage number two pick up in pace they're going to run and maybe that's where they get more of their three-pointers they had what uh, 41 three-point attempts i believe against miami and that uh, that's that's more in line of what they want to do so yeah it's yeah. interesting right. yes uh, transition basketball get up the floor quickly uh, get some easy baskets and uh, help that help that offense that is now minus 20.2 points per game in the form of Bogdanovich. And so it's it's funny that we we talked about these different things we were just like you said we were asking these questions about would Quinn be willing to do this? Is this something he would look for? And we saw bits and pieces of that scattered through those first two scrimmages. Yeah, we did. So So which one which one will he settle on? Maybe we'll get a further hint uh, against the Nets in this scrimmage because obviously this is the last one before the games count. I think this one will be a little bit more of a walkthrough. I think we'll see the rotational players play a little bit more. Pay attention, I would guess, to the lineup combinations. This is actually a really good squad for the Jazz to have their third scrimmage against because the Nets are are extremely depleted. So maybe you'll get a chance to do a little bit more of a, a skeleton run, so to speak, because Oklahoma City, whether or not they have Zion, which it doesn't look like they will at this point, but that'll, that'll be a tough opening night matchup. So I think today, today at 3.30, again, when this thing tips off, I, I think today's really uh, is going to be critical in a preparation standpoint. One thing to keep an eye on, in my opinion, and it's something that you talked a lot about during the season, during the earlier part of the season, which was four months, five, six, seven months ago. Feels like years ago. Yeah, a long time ago. But it's the, the perimeter defense that the Jazz will put up. And when you have Mike Conley and you have Donovan Mitchell as your starting guard line, those guys are not very big. No. And uh, will they be able to put pressure on the ball on the perimeter from the defensive? We all look at the offense. I get that. But the defensive side, like Donovan Mitchell said after the second scrimmage, he said, hey, quote, unquote, we're a defensive team. Well, you're not very big. You're not very big. And, it has, you know, when the Jazz – you see these small lineups the Jazz are putting on the floor? Yeah. It, it makes you wonder how it – how is that going to – they're going to have to be able to move the ball down the floor and hit, get some early offense because that's what smaller teams do. You can't count on Rudy Gobert to do everything at the defensive end. I mean, I know that's been sort of a, <laughs> a theme for quite some time now, but I, I just don't know whether that is a practical way to go about advancing through the playoffs. On the other hand, I can see why Quinn might look at the situation and say, look – this is our only chance. We got to make a bunch of three pointers. We got to jack up shots early in the shot clock if they're good ones. Not dilly dally around. Score the ball and make up for whatever deficiency comes at the other end. Yeah, I think you. I think you hit the nail on the head, Gordon. I think you're you're right on the money. Listen. The Jazz actually should be a little bit better defensively without Bogdanovich. I'm not saying that he was uh, the rusty gate, the worst defender in the world, but let's face it, he's not winning any awards anytime soon. And if Joe Ingles and Royce O'Neal play more minutes as a result, I think those are both 
more capable defenders than Bogdanovich. Certainly Royce O'Neal is. And there's there's little argument there, I think. So if he plays more, that should actually help defensively. But it's but to your point, it's not it's not gonna help a ton. The Jazz right now, uh Gordon are a good defensive team. You know, when this whole thing stopped, they were eleventh in the uh in the NBA in defensive rating, which is not bad and certainly an improvement from where they were early in the year. But let's not pretend like they're gonna jump into being a, a top five defense all of a sudden. So you they've gotta figure out a way to to score some points. And I think right. you're. I think you're right. I think the pace is going to come. I think getting more shots up, and that's another thing. Quinn Snyder said is taking the shot is almost as important as making it. I think that's what he's getting at. That they are going to have to outscore some teams if they're going to compete in the playoffs because they are small, and they are going to go up against teams that are bigger than them and more physical than them. And uh, I was listening uh, to the broadcast on uh, on Thursday, and Coach Wells uh, jumped on with with David in the second quarter, and that's essentially what he was saying that was missing against Phoenix is they were getting pushed around and that's that may be more common if they're not more fierce defensively because they're small so they're going to have to score more and they're going to have to play above their weight and that's that's a lot to ask but that's if they are going to have success in the playoffs that's what's going to have to happen yeah play above their weight and when you said that they were uh, ranked they were rated 11th in defense Bear in mind, that's with the best defender on the planet on right. your side. Oh, and, well, uh, that's well, maybe, the difference maybe, between maybe 11 and 25. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And so right. how good is 11? What does that say about some of the other guys who have to step up and make it better and, and anticipate better and communicate better at that defensive end? You cannot leave it all to Rudy. It's just not fair to him, although he, he probably likes the challenge at times. But – uh, but what are you going to do when you got Jordan Clarkson on the court playing power forward? Well, was he was he was he at the four? Or was he at the three? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Anyway, the point is the Jazz are playing small for for various parts of the games, and they because they think they have to. Uh, now maybe they're going to have Tony Bradley out there at the four, like we saw in uh, over that one stretch. Uh, and, and I don't know. I think this is one of the feeling out things that Quinn is doing, seeing what guys can do and, and, and what they can be at, plug in in various circumstances, who, who is capable of doing what. And so you go from from having, you know, the, the Twin Towers on the floor and then you go to Rudy Gobert and a bunch of a bunch of little guys. I mean, that's 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 what Quinn is chucking in the air right now. Well, that's what they've been doing all year, though. I mean, they're, they're going to play four out. That's what they want to do. It makes sense, given their personnel. Uh, I did, I'm with you, that I, I paid attention to Rudy and, and Bradley playing together. I think maybe that's a little experimental to see how it could work, probably against a bigger, more physical team if they run up against that. Say the Lakers, for example, mm-hmm. Gordon, yeah. who are going to play two bigs. So the Jazz, I think, have to know if they're capable of matching that. But I, I think they're going to play four out, and it, it's how small a four out do they want to go. I mean, because, you know, Royce O'Neal started alongside Boyan Bogdanovich, but who was guarding the quote-unquote four most of the time while they were out there? It was Royce O'Neal, and he's, what, 6'5"? Yeah. So it's how small, how, how light can you go and get away with it. And that's going to be different against the Rockets than it is against the Lakers. And that that might be the way it goes throughout because uh, Austin. By the way, I'm getting feedback in my ear, uh, but uh, that, that that might be what they're facing, and they decide to go with different scenarios against different opponents. Yep. So a lot of this in the scrimmage is seeing what's going to fit and what's going to work, and that's what uh, what Coach Snyder has been trying to figure out all year long. So now you know a little extra challenge of doing it without one of his best players, but I mean this is. This is what head coaches in the NBA signed up to do and what Coach Snyder has been pretty good at thus far. So um, I, I think there are a lot more positives than negatives out of the first two scrimmages, uh, scrimmages even though scrimmage one was ugly. I mean, there's no okay, getting around so it. Answer me this. Who, after Donovan Mitchell, who's going to be the Jazz's leading scorer? Austin and I had this discussion. Who's going to be there? So let me ask you this to clarify your question before I dive into it. Are you talking lead, second leading scorer or second offensive option, say, in clutch time? Because I think Jordan Clarkson is going to be their second leading scorer. But if it comes right down to it, who goes out and wins a game for you? Who's their number two guy? I don't know if that's Jordan Clarkson. 
So are you predicting that Jordan Clarkson is going to be on the floor uh, in the last six minutes of games? Uh, yes, probably. Wouldn't you think? I mean, that's essentially how it worked. I don't want to say all the time, but most of the time since he'd been acquired. he's. We'd have to go look at more of the closing lineups. But I don't know yeah. if he's, you know, is he your number Is he your number two is he the number two offensive option on a Western Conference Finals team? I'm not so sure. But Mike Conley might be. But I think yeah. Jordan Clarkson, because of his role where he's going to play with the second unit, just like he has all year long, I think he's going to score a zillion points. But does that mean he's the number two offensive option on the team? So that's why I well, ask you to clarify the question. Because yeah. I, I think it needs to be Mike Conley if they're going to be successful. I do. I think he needs to be the number two guy. So the final four minutes of the fourth quarter when Donovan's doubled, who steps up to the plate? I think it's got to be Mike Conley. But I think Jordan Clarkson will be number two on the team in scoring. Okay. I see your differentiation there. I think you're right. I would agree with you. Uh, but there are other questions as far as the uh, the attack when is Joe Ingles going to start taking and making shots? Joe's you know? been a little streaky this year, but I, he's going to come up. He, he's going to step up. He'll be fine. He'll be in, his, in the high 30s, low 40s. I'd bet on it. I thought, that, I thought that last year against the Rockets. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess we're talking the final eight games, I was going to say, for the whole experience or just a, a playoff series. You know, with, with Joe, because sometimes— Because they need him. They need him, Jake. They, they, they need that kind of— uh, and I understand what you were saying earlier about creating off the dribble and taking threes off the dribble and whatnot, but they still need those guys to create space on the floor and, and to threaten uh, defensive opponents uh, with that with a long ball. And, and I, if, they, if, if they were not making those shots or even not taking those shots, then it could get jammed up down low. Well, and I think Joe Ingles, as much as anybody else, is going to rely on matchups. You know, they, they, they had the playoff series that you're alluding to against the Rockets, and the Rockets decided, hey, we're going to put a good defender on you all the time, and we're going to take away your left hand. And uh, and Joe had a really tough time responding. So if it's a, an open round playoff series against Oklahoma City and they're guarding him with, uh, with Robertson, it's going to be a long series for Joe. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a long series for him. So if he can get a more beneficial matchup, though, I think you're going to see a more efficient player. But that's why Joe, for example, is not your number one. You know, he's probably not even your number three. He's probably your number four or five because he's dependent, like Rudy is, on on people generating some stuff for him. Unless he's got an advantageous matchup and has the pick and roll going, and we're all picturing the the fake pass layup in our mind, right? That he that he did so many times this year. So with Joe, I think it depends on who a lot on who they're playing and who specifically matched up against him. So you think you are based on what you've seen in the first two scrimmages, you think that the Jazz will be better defensively without Boyan Bogdanovich? Yeah, I do, because I think also Rudy spent a lot of the season. Locked has talked a little bit about this. Has has spent a lot of the, the the season on the floor with Bogdanovich, and that's not a coincidence. You can kind of get what that is. You're you want him out there being a safety blanket so you can keep Bogdanovich on the floor scoring 20 points. So I don't think Rudy will have to make up for Royce and Joe, maybe a little bit for George Niang depending on how big his role goes. But I don't think Rudy will have to make up for that player that amount of time. And maybe he can be a little bit more helpful to other players like, say, Mike Conley or Donovan Mitchell. Okay. Well, I yeah, I, I well said. So it depends, I guess, on who exactly gets all of those minutes. But I do think that Royce O'Neal and Joe Ingles are both uh, more capable defenders, at least right now, uh, than Boyan Bogdanovich. All right, we want to remind you about our friends at Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action. Mention, uh, mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call today, 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333 at Action Plumbing. More jazz conversations straight ahead. Don't forget, tip-off is at 3.30. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Show, show, 
Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We will continue the jazz conversation coming up. Of course, tip-off will be at 3.30 today. Gordon is back with us on the show. Coming up here momentarily, Gordon, we'll have a Mountain America market update. Uh, Check out how the market started the week with our good friend Brian Washburn. So that's coming up here in a moment. But uh, just glad we're in pregame mode, Gordon. It feels good, doesn't it? Yeah, it does feel good. And I, I've been watching what's going on with the NBA and how cautious they're being. And, and it seems like this thing is going to move forward. And it, it looks like it's going to work, especially when I compare it to what's going on in Major League Baseball after its uh, opening days and uh, some of the troubles that they're having. And I, I, I don't think that their troubles uh, speak all that promisingly for uh, college football and whatnot. But the NBA, as we've talked about in the past, has a, has this thing so uh, tight, uh, knock on wood, that uh, it looks like uh, it, it's going to work for them. If I had to guess right now, I would say it's going to work for the NBA. But I don't know about I don't know about Major League Baseball, and I don't know about the NFL or college football. I I, I don't know about those. Let's get out of the zone. Phone joining us now from Mountain America Investment Services. He's our friend Brian Washburn. What's going on, Brian? Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you guys as well. Let's talk a little bit of how the markets did today. How we start the week? Uh, started well today. We uh, the Dow was up 115 points. Nasdaq led with 173 points, and the S and P was also positive with uh, 24 points for the day. So why is that? What, what's happening here with with so much concern about uh, the, the the pandemic and the economy? Why is the market seeming to bounce back the way it is? Well, today was a, a lot about the uh, progress in Washington on another stimulus package. So there was some positive news there. And then a big share of that is just the, uh, the FANG stocks, the uh, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google. Um, they bounced back. They had a losing week last week, and so a lot of that was just a a little bit of a bounce back there. Uh, Brian, any additional tips for our listeners? Sure. So, uh, you know, the fact that we've got basketball starting, we've got baseball starting, I thought I'd give you a a few Yogi Berra quotes before I go. All right. Uh, So, uh, great philosopher. Um, One of my favorite is uh, baseball is 90% mental, and the other half is physical. I always like that one. Yes. Yeah. Another one, a nickel ain't worth a dime anymore. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> and then you better cut the pizza in four pieces because I'm not hungry enough to eat six. Like it. That, Brilliant, was, one of my, that was one of my mom's favorite jokes. She loved it. <laughs> so, you know, with, with that in mind and, and the idea with numbers, I've had a lot of clients lately trying to, to find out, you know, when's the best time to get in the market and, and, and things. And and if you think about it, um, the market isn't a matter of time, timing the market, but it's more time in the market. If you look back for the last 25 years, for example, on any given month, 66% of the time, the market was positive. If you look back in a one-year horizon, 80% of the time, the market's been positive. And those are pretty good odds. So if you knew 80% of the time I'm going to be up, 20% of the time I might be down, I'd take those odds any day of the week. And so success in the market is just being in the market, time in the market, and making sure that you have a good balanced portfolio. So that's the tip for the day. Excellent, Brian. Thank you very much. We appreciate you. Okay. Thanks. Go Jazz. All right. That's our friend Brian Washburn from Mountain America Investment Services. And that is another Mountain America Market Update. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured Mountain America Credit Union deposits and are not NCUA insured. These products are not obligations of the credit union and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by Mountain America or any government agency. The value of the investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible. All right. uh, It is time to get a winner, Gordon. This is an hour uh, earlier than usual, but we've got a jazz game coming up, so... uh Give us a call right now. It's time to get a winner for the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Caller 12-855-340-ZONE. Correctly identify the Chevy Strong Play of the Game announced by DJ and PK this morning at 8.50, and you'll win a Zone prize pack. It's the Chevy Strong Play of the Game brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers right here on the Zone Sports Network. Getting you ready for Jazz Scrimmage number 3 coming up next on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. (laughs) 
is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon is back on the show. Glad uh, to be all back together again. Scrimmage number three for the Utah Jazz starts at 3.30. And we'll uh, we'll switch back into jazz mode and get some final thoughts uh, coming up here in a few. But did want to touch on college football a little bit with you today. Gordon, uh, BYU had their first fall camp practice. I don't know if that's what we're, we're calling it, but BYU back on the practice field getting ready for whatever this college football season may look like. And we were just chatting off the off the air. Uh, do you do you take this as a sign that BYU is confident that they'll have a game in September? I don't know if they're confident, but they're trying, sure trying to make it happen. And uh, it, it had to happen. Didn't it have to happen in order for them to start on time? They had to get going. Wasn't it right. six weeks or something like that? So uh, so anyway, so they're trying to uh, they're trying to do it. I just. I, I'm. I hate to be the guy that keeps bringing up the the more pessimistic side, but when I see that the Miami Marlins have 14 players or coaches that uh, come down with it after the first weekend of playing baseball, it, it makes me wonder how college football is going to work. I I have my I have serious doubts as to whether it's going to happen. Now that doesn't mean they're not going to try to make it happen. Uh, I think they will try as hard as they can, but it, I. I I have my doubts. I'm sorry. I wish I could say it some other way, but I I, I just don't know how this is going to work. And it's one thing to have professional players who make a lot of money doing what they're doing, but for the college athletes to be put at risk, I, I think there are serious questions to ask. And I think when you ask those questions, if you get answers, you're probably in a better position to actually have something positive happen uh, when when the time comes. I think it's it, when you just try and stick your head in the sand about some of the problems involved with the whole thing or act like it's it's not serious, uh, then that's when you uh, find yourself uh, really messed up come game time. I uh, The Pac-12 released a plan, or, or actually they haven't officially released it, but Wilner from San Jose Mercury News kind of broke the, the news about the, the Pac-12's plan. And if possible, if it's possible, I actually like the makeup of it, Gordon. And and I kind of thought the ADs were blowing smoke a little bit when they talked about flexibility. But it would appear that what the Pac-12 is trying to do is have maximum amount of flexibility to get as many games in as they can, as they can, which I think their goal is going to be 10. Now, here's a problem that Major League Baseball has is they don't have any flexibility. They're trying to get 60 games in in like 64 days or something crazy, right? Mm-hmm. So if something happens like what's happened with the Marlins, your, your flexibility isn't that great. You can throw in some doubleheaders probably, but making up games might be an issue, and we'll find out how they're going to deal with this present issue because they're going to miss at least one game between the Marlin, Marlins and the Orioles, and they're going to miss one game between the Phillies and the Yankees while they kind of get their footing. And I think that that will happen in college football. And I think what the Pac-12 did that is smart, again, to your point, we don't know what's possible at the moment, but what I liked about their plan was was they're, they're going to start in September and they're going to have at least two bye weeks uh, for built in for for the team uh, the teams every team Gordon and then they're going to have an additional two weeks on the back end uh, of flexibility with their championship game and what that does for them is it gives them a month to deal with the unforeseen and a month is a long time and if you're willing to you know move some pieces around on the fly then you might be able to pull it off even when some positive cases emerge and I okay, thought so- that that was really smart. So if you're a betting man right now, would you be more confident saying that they will get whatever the season is going to look like, it's going to happen in the fall? Or do you think it is more likely to have some of it in the fall and some of it in the spring? I think it's more likely to be in the fall. I don't think they... Not counting, obviously, the Ivy League. Not getting the Ivy League and uh, and other um, F. Uh, I always have to think about it, right? FCS uh, leagues who've decided to either not do it or do it in the spring. Uh, I think that the FBS would move it to the spring, but I think that that's the very last resort. And I think that they would try a bunch of other stuff before they did that. But John Hartwell was on with uh, with Scotty, and he talked about how nothing is off the table, and I think that's smart. 
don't put anything off the table, including the spring uh, part of the spring season. But you're asking me if I had to bet, if it's a go at all, whether it'll be in the fall or spring, I'd bet fall. Okay. I, I am not as confident about that as you are, but, uh, but we'll see. I mean, they're doing what they can, and sports fans want to see it happen. They want to see it happen. I just wonder about those athletes because it's not like they're making millions of dollars. I agree, uh, and I I think that their risk is is different than than you know folks who are older and in poorer shape. I mean, there's there's something to be be thought about there. But I think what I the point where I was wait trying minute, to get wait a minute. But what you just said there, Jake, is really sketchy to me. Why? Because we don't really know. We don't really know what the long-term effects of this particular virus uh, are. We don't. We don't know the long-term uh, of what it, how it could affect one's lungs. I mean, there are. I understand what you're saying. The the data shows that it seems like it's more of a problem with older folks, but younger folks too are getting this, and it's causing them some trouble that you know, that it's hard just to look away from. Okay. Uh, fair enough, but I think that if uh, well, let me can can I ask you about the flexibility thing real quick? Because sure. I, I I have a point here, regardless of of unknowns and long term. Ignore I said that if if we don't want to consider that point of view. Uh, if with the the flexibility, because if you think about this, Gordon, let's say you have a, an outbreak of ten cases, just to keep a, a round number, and you say, uh-huh. okay, we're not going to play the Utah-Oregon game on this date but we're going to kick it down the road to replace one of the bye weeks. Then you've got seven days and an additional seven days on the back end. That's two weeks before you have to play another game where you would hope that you could contact trace that, limit it, and before you have to play again, you've got a handle on the situation and are able to go. I think that that's a lot different than Major League Baseball because the Florida Marlins are going to have to figure out a way to play tomorrow. So yeah. I think with uh, with college football, and that's what I liked about the Pac-12. Again, if it's not possible and they cancel it, you know I, that may happen. But what I liked about the Pac-12 stance was, if you think about a month, that's an extra basic third of the season you're giving yourself just in case. And so if it can happen, then hopefully those outbreaks that you're talking about you can manage and be able to proceed. And I think that's what the Pac-12 is hoping for. And, and then if you're isolating those those positive cases, because the testing is certainly more thorough than your average uh, Austin Horton out there, you know, uh, or Jake Scott or Gordon Monson, for that matter, you're hoping that if you do have some something that you have to react to, you have the ability to limit that and react to it without having to flush everything down the toilet. And as you mentioned to start this, this is one of the reasons Mark Harlan was talking about the flexibility factor to begin with. And, uh, yeah, that, that does create that opportunity, exactly like you said it, um, in, a, in what might be more practical and in a safer, more pragmatic manner. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. I, I, I just don't know. What if you have 10 guys who have an outbreak and then, then you have 10 more? Yeah, yeah. What if you have a hundred more? I don't know. Well, I, well these knows. guys are in close quarters. Yeah. You know, I mean. But the the whole point in testing them a lot is to mitigate the size of what you're talking about. I mean, we can sit here and have the conversation and say, "What about ten? What about a hundred? Or whatever?" But, but aren't, aren't they? You, but but if, they're doing that in baseball too. And, but and the point get, is, is they got the up. the 14 cases with the Marlins before it became 30. Yeah, yeah. Because they're in close quarters too. And they're carrying extra guys on the roster for just this circumstance, right? And so, you know, yes, it could have been an outbreak of the whole team. But the point in testing so much is that you catch it when it's 14 and not 30. There's just more factors, I think, involved with uh, with college football because you've got young people who are scattered all over the place and then bringing it back uh, into the locker room. Well, they're already back in the case of BYU. Yeah. And other, I mean, other football, the, Utah's been working out not official fall camp stuff, but, I mean, they're back back, most of them anyway. We'd have to get an update on 100%. I can't remember the last time there was media availability with any of the ADs if they said exactly how many are there are back. But but I agree with your, your basic point about that flexibility being that sure is handy 
for them uh, to work their through their way through whatever might uh, surprise them. And if I were the NFL, the Super Bowl is such a big deal. Who cares what Sunday it's on, right? If I'm the NFL, I I say, hey, we could move the Super Bowl back a month. We could move it back a month and a half. You know, we could we could build in multiple bye weeks. If I'm the NFL, because a lot of, of people are freaking out about the NFL over today's Major League Baseball news, right? The lesson I learned if I'm the NFL for this is, is from college football as well. Say, all right, we're going to be uber flexible. And let's face it, any of these networks will put an NFL game on at any time, any place. Okay, so Jake, let me ask you this. Uh, I think you, your your brother uh, organizes things sometimes, bigger events, right? right? I mean, he's involved in that process. How difficult is that to do? I mean, when it's easy for us to sit there and say, okay, this game's going to be canceled, that game's going to be postponed, that game's going to be moved here, there, whatever. Everything that goes involved, that's involved in that, how problematic is it? Okay, so in answer to your question, impossibly hard. Not impossible. I'm not going to use that word. Extraordinarily hard. For example, my brother, and I talked to him this weekend, you know, he has three different counties in the place that he works and coordinates live events and three different sets of laws that he has to pay attention to, to what he can and can't do. And throwing stuff together over a weekend uh, is extraordinarily difficult or a week or, or whatever you want to say. No doubt about it. But it's amazing what people are capable of when you sprinkle a little desperation in there. <laughs> well, I think we're, we're reaching that point. Well, let, let me let me give some credit to the broadcast crews, Gordon. And you're not here in our Vivint Smart Home Arena studios. Uh, but you go out into the lower bowl, and there's a broadcast set up for Locke and Booner. And they're socially distanced. And they're, they, they've got a unique setup. Uh, you, you look across the way at what Bowler's got going uh, for TV. And they're bringing Harpering in. Uh, uh, from Atlanta, uh, they've got the. They're going to have the games going on the on the big boards, which is is crazy to go out there and see the feed from uh, Orlando on those big boards. Like it's amazing what our broadcast team has thrown together in a short amount of time to provide a great product uh, to jazz fans out there. I'm I'm uber proud of this organization for that fact because they were given a task to get done and they got it done to pull it off. And I'm so. Uh, but how will it go? when you're talking about a, a college football game uh, or an NFL game where you might involve, well, you're involving all kinds of people and you're, you're having to move things around and change things up. Uh, I, I don't know whether anybody is still hoping that there will be fans involved in this, but uh, the, obviously their scheduling will have taken into account and how do you how do you move all that that way it's well i'll say the first step is that is easy is uh, you no longer have other conflicting schedules in the venues i mean you don't have to worry about bumping you two to play a football game <laughs> you know what i mean it's not like they're triple booked at the moment for for yeah. live events trust me i've been at the in this building for the last four and five months whatever it is now gordon and uh, we haven't had an event yet so uh, if most of it's going to be seen over the TV uh, in TV screens, and then uh, obviously uh, those folks I think can stay a little more nimble, you know, than if you were involving right. seventy thousand fans. And, and the other folks that it would take to pull off—I mean, they, I'm sure there are conversations about what's possible and in, in what amount of time. But I'm sure each and every one of those folks loves having a job, and will will do what it takes to to do that job. If possible, nice, of course. Yeah, if, possible. if possible, the parameters of this discussion. And I'm, I'm fine with the Pac-12 putting together a plan. We'll see how it goes. I've got my fingers crossed. But I think the flexibility part is really smart. I think it's really smart. If you're not going to do what the NBA is doing and completely isolate, you better give yourself enough room to navigate. Yeah. Wait, did I just rhyme there? Did I just? Yeah, that was very yeah. lyrical. Was that? Yeah. Was that? Hey, maybe maybe we should get that up on a on a T-shirt, Gordon. Let's make some money. <laughs> uh, let's switch gears to the Jazz because because tip off is just about 15 minutes from right now, Gordon. We got about 10 minutes left, uh, really, of the of this portion of the show today. Of course, we'll we'll have we'll be back during the six o'clock hour. But let's switch gears and talk a little bit about the Jazz, what we're looking for in the scrimmage. But let's talk about the overall. Uh, experience leading up to the playoffs, Gordon, because we're just about there. And I've heard uh, pundit after pundit come on these airwaves and talk about how matchups are going to be the biggest part 
of of the playoffs this year, and that's obvious, right? Our, our daily assist guys have told us about this for a while. You know, take out home court and travel and all that other stuff, and it's going to be talent against talent, and that's what's going to matter. And the Jazz are much better matchup for some teams than others. I'm curious how much how much pressure to win at all costs are they going to be on these uh, remaining eight games, and how much positioning are we going to see? Well, it's kind of a crapshoot because you might you, – let's say the Jazz finish strong in these eight games and play really well and then win six or seven games. Will that put them in a more advantageous spot? Well, it depends on who they're matched up against right. for the very reason you just talked about. So I don't I, – I, you can't – I don't think you can really view it that way. The only thing you can do is what I think Quinn Snyder is going to start doing with this particular scrimmage and moving straight on through. It has to, He has to settle in on a rotation that he's comfortable with. Whatever it is, whatever adjustments the Jazz is going to make, they need to start making them in this particular scrimmage heading into that first game. And from there, because he's he's got these different options we talked about. And who knows, maybe he will mix it up to some extent. But how much can you mix it up? Or would you, If you were Quinn, would you be mixing it up game by game? And would you feel comfortable doing that? Or given that you've got eight of these games to get ready for the postseason, do you get into one groove and keep it that way? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's really going to be fascinating. I would say during the eight games, if I'm Quinn Snyder, I'm throwing it all up against the wall, and I'm seeing what best arms me to go into the playoffs. But, but you still I'm also win games, or if you don't want to end up playing the Lakers or the Clippers in the first round, I don't think they're going to fall that far. Well, even if I, it, even if they're about five hundred, I don't think they fall that far. If if I if I'm the Jazz, I'm doing whatever I can to play Oklahoma City in the first round. And then you have that matchup that Donovan Mitchell would probably wouldn't be looking forward to all that much, right? Uh, how so with uh, with Robertson coming back? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I mean, he's before his injury, he was one of the best on-ball defenders in the league. There's no doubt about it. I I'm not sure if he's still that player after all this time. He hasn't played in like a thousand days, <laughs> which is just crazy. But yeah, I, I mean, he's a he's a great defender. But I don't. But I, would, I would agree with you. I think that's a, that's a, a fine a finer first round matchup for the Jazz. But I, but I don't know. There seems to be this mystery. There seems to be something of a, uh, uh, just uh, uh, something in the mix where we're not sure. Are we going to see what we saw over those first 60 some games? Or will we see something different now out of the Jazz? That That's why these, these scrimmages and the, the games of, that we talked about that begin on Thursday uh, hold so much interest. Yeah. Well, do you uh, just back on the matchups thing for a second here? I mean, do you think that the the Rockets are in this grand small ball experiment? Yeah. But I uh, I think the Jazz would be more capable of beating them this time around. But I'm still not so sure that's the direction that they want to go. I agree with you. I agree with you 100. percent I would from the Rockets. I would want no part of Dallas. I don't know what Dallas is going to be, <laughs> but I don't think I'd want any part of Dallas because it could be really good. And then Denver, I don't know. It's it's much less likely, I think, that they, they would play Denver um, unless they lost a bunch of games, which I don't think See, that they'll lose a bunch of games. But I, I think he, I think Oklahoma City is the matchup. I, I really do. And maybe, I, maybe it's Dallas. That's not that likely, too. But Dallas, I think Dallas could be really good. See, I feel the same way about Denver that you feel about Dallas. Really? Yeah. And I, I didn't think that last year. But this time around, I, I kind of do. And so uh, we'll see what happens. But I'm with you 100%. Stay away from the Rockets. And that's why you've got to find your best combination of guys and not worry so much about the matchups in the postseason. I, I would try to find a groove. Uh, so you and I, I guess, disagree on this a little bit. But if I'm Quinn, I try to find the group that I think is going to present the best chance for winning regardless of who you're playing. And I know that's a bit of a contradiction but uh i want to see some consistency some efficiency at both ends of the floor find the guys who are playing the best and playing the best together and uh and and go with that and whoever you end up with in the postseason it's pretty hard to target that kind of thing so you find the guys that play the best together find those lineups don't play them at the end of the games you want to lose and then play them in the playoffs. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm going for. 
So you call down to Jarrell Brantley and you say, hey, Jarrell, get in there. And he says, but coach, we're only down two. I know. (laughs) Go in there and do your best. Do you really think Quinn's going to do that? Probably not. I just said it's what I would do. Okay. I'm just, that's what Hard that's what imagine. that's what Denver did last year, and it worked. <laughs> it totally worked for them. Now they blew their chance and lost to the Blazers, but they did get the matchup that they wanted, and they did uh, everything worked out. You remember they lost that game on purpose, like a week and a half before the season ended, and then you could pick out the games they would try and win, and bam, they get the first round matchup that they want, and bam, a one in a thousand shot, the Jazz are playing the Rockets again. Well, <laughs> it worked. It totally worked. It worked. Regardless of all that, what you want to do is see Donovan Mitchell feeling comfortable, feeling in on the same vibe with Rudy Gobert and and Mike Conley being assertive with the ball, uh, not hogging the ball. But I think what Quinn was talking about after one of the scrimmages, where he was talking about those guards, if they're not shooting three pointers to maneuver into that mid-range, and then either if they have the shot, go ahead and take it. If not, drop it to someone else. Get all that in a, in a proper groove, and then you can feel much better about making up for the loss of Bogdanovich. And, and those guys have got to bust their humps at the defensive end because if they don't do that, then the Jazz aren't going to make it out of the first round no matter what. So here's what I would do if I had to lose a game to get myself into a, a, a position to play Oklahoma City, Gordon. If it was close into the fourth quarter, I'd bring Emmanuel Moutier aside and I'd say, go get me Knicks Emmanuel. Forget about Jazz Emmanuel. Go get me New York Knicks Emmanuel Moutier. Ready? On three. Break. <laughs> See, the problem with that is now you're now you're throwing a bad apple in there and it may spoil the whole bunch, girl. Nah, it's just a just a <laughs> half a game. He'll be fine. <laughs> no, because because if you start presenting that as an option for your players. Uh, does that spread like wildfire? Nah, they'll be fine. All right, Gordo, uh, give it just uh, treetop it for us. Give it a, a couple of things you're looking for this afternoon. Uh, just the, I'm all eyes on the Jazz. I mean, I don't even know who the Nets are going to be putting on the floor. Do you? Uh, I mean, no. I, yeah, I, I, who knows who's <laughs> even on the team? Exactly. And so continue to groove those guys in those rotations that you want to see once the games really count. This is it for them. No more, no more real representation of what they're going to do in a real competitive setting after this. And so get your groove on right now. All right, uh, coming up next, David Locke, Ron Boone, Jazz Basketball, Jazz Nets, scrimmage number three from the bubble, straight ahead here on the Zone Radio Network. I knew that was about the end of it. So long, farewell, I'll be the same I hate goodbyes. This thing is over! That'll do, Pinky. 